Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 6, powered by Huddle Analysis. Offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. And Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're going to chat about the Tampa Lightning prospects, the ones that primarily are in the American Hockey League, with their assistant general manager, Stacy Roost. Stacy, thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always good to join the show. Well, we'll talk about a couple guys that are not in the American Hockey League first, uh, just because I want to get your impressions of them in camp, because I always like to hear how they performed in their first camp. You know, it's a bit of an eye-opener for some of the kids. I like talking to them after they came back from camp. And like, wow, like it was really exciting, but I didn't ex- like I didn't expect it. You know, there's certain things they didn't expect. Talk about Ethan Goche's camp and you know how he went through that process and what what the organization gleaned from him and what he gleaned from you guys yeah I, his camp is great um we've started with a solid solid prospect tournament you know played uh played every every you know power play penalty killer even strength uh went to main camp and and got into some scrimmages with with the you know all the all the big guys the nhl guys and and, and did great you know got into an exhibition game uh, you know, just his his compete level, his he was blocking shots, winning battles. He got better and better as the as the uh, as the game went on, and I just really really like his his compete, his quickness, his uh, his hockey sense. He was making plays at, like I said, at all three during training camp, prospect tournament, and in his exhibition game. So, you know, we were uh, probably expe- ex- you know exceeded our expectations, uh, you know, with his with his play in camp, and we're really happy to have him. Uh, how about his physical maturity? How was his off season gone? Where do you feel his growth rate is? Really big, uh, you know, took big steps from from uh, you know development camp to, to to main camp, and then obviously once you get in there, like like Shane was saying, you don't know until you get to play against the big guys what it what it takes, and they all leave the camp going, okay, I got to go back and work on my game of you know you know winning battles and and my skating and my conditioning, but you know the the strength is the big thing. And next summer, obviously, after being to one NHL camp, your your training changes because you know what. You know, you see the likes of Hedman and Sergachev and Tanner Janot and even Braden Point, who's who's not the biggest guy, but he's one of our strongest all-around athletes. So, you know, you, you get to, to to skate with those guys that it changes your mentality. Stacey, you mentioned uh, briefly about Ethan Goche's, you know, camp and the fact that, you know, he was competitive. Can you talk a little bit about as well the willingness of that player? Because it's something I noticed in the queue before in his draft year is that I thought he really made consistently – good choices, not with, with or with the, the puck, but, you know, taking a hit to make a play, blocking a shot, you know, like going into hard areas with, you know, to draw defenders, those kind of things that there's going to be personal sacrifice and he's going to take a beating for it, but it's going to be the betterment of the team to do so. And not a lot of young players are necessarily willing to do that with any level of consistency. Yeah, you could see back to his exhibition game in the NHL. I mean, he he was blocking shots, jumping in front of shots, and then right off the right off the hop of you know big time NHL shooter. So he got comfortable with that. But yeah, no, he's a, he's the compete. It's just you know he's got one speed, and that when that competes in you, and you and every time you go on the ice, whether it's for a practice or for a game or or a, a pregame skate, you're 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 driving the play and you're you're competing, and you know, that's what we love about him. 
I'd also when like you look at his next part to play. Sorry, I just want to jump in and ask uh, quickly, just uh, just about his skill set, because what, he's not the biggest kid, but he he's a workhorse down low. Uh, how, how important is it for you to, to teach him uh, how to adapt to leverages against larger defensemen and, and find his time and space? Because the Q level is already there. But now, as you said, first camp, how did you how did you feel that uh, he approached that? And are you confident that he can extend that skill set to the pro hockey once he hits it? Yeah, it was funny. It was one of the things that he got better and better at at camp and and uh, you know practicing with the pros was was that you know you know he had he has the sense, he has the skill, he has the smarts, he has to compete. And now it's just a little uh, you know the little little nuances of, of of how to where to put the puck and watching point and watching Kucherov and 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 guys like that and working with our our staff. You know that's a big thing for him. Now he's he's doing it well in the Quebec League. Continue to do do it better and better. And then you know in the summertime and and when we're working with him just to keep. Uh, you know, keep improving that that mindset and that skill. But I think he's got the he's got all the tools to be really dominant in that uh, that area of puck protected, making plays in small areas. And you know, he's going to get better and better at it. Stacy, I'd like to ask you about Isaac Howard. Uh, lots of personality, lots of confidence, uh, which I appreciate in a in a player. I have no problem with a player having ego. Uh, most of the really you know excellent players in any league in any sport you know have ego to spare. Talk a little bit about. His change, you know, leaving Minnesota Duluth, going to Michigan State University. I know because obviously with the portal, there is some flexibility in terms if you think you need to move on to a different school as a player, how that transition went for him and the discussions you guys had with him about next steps, you know, jumping into a new university and maybe taking on a much bigger role. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been good for him so far. You know, last year, he could go through the season, you watch him play, you support him, you talk to him. At the end of the year, he decides to make a change, and and we support him, and and then off he goes to his new school with his old coach that he had a couple of years ago, and it's 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 worked out well for him. I mean, he's off to a good start. Uh, seen him play play out there in Boston a couple of weeks ago, and, and you know he looks quick. He's 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 fast. He's smart. He competes. So, um, you know he looks he looks looks comfortable in the program, and and uh, you know he's he's having a good season. He's he's got his looks like he's got his swagger and his confidence back. So it's been uh, been a good start. So, so I remember when uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand was was drafted by Columbus. And I watched some of his development. And the big thing with him was he needed to be, get a bit quicker, but he needed a lot of um, work on his board play and just fighting through checks. I feel like Isaac was a little lost last year with that. Where where do you feel that he is developmentally with just getting comfortable with physical contact and still being able to make plays through it along the walls? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that. I think, you know, looking at that, that level, when you play, he was an 0-4 going in as a freshman. That's that's not an easy. You're playing against older. The level of play is is and the strength of the guys and the maturity is it's a it's a harder harder than you think. No matter what, if you're drafting the first round, second round, if you're if you're a younger player playing against you know guys that are four, five, six years older than you, which some of them were, it's still a, still a you know a tough tough task to win those battles. And we always say get in the battles and win more than you lose. You know the good players they do that. They don't win 100 percent of their battles. And he's improving at that. He knows it's. That's a big part of his game is to get that puck along the wall and to win those, you know, use that leverage much like we just talked about Goche, you know, to win that 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 battle. And I think he's getting better at it. For, you know, definitely got gotten better. He's getting better at it, and you know, he's producing points from it. Stacy, can you talk a little bit about his off puck game? And one of the things that you know we had a discussion with him at the draft is he started to he said, you know, I'm starting to realize that you know when I'm pressuring back really hard, there's like far more offensive opportunities coming back to me, even if I don't get the puck, 
I'm forcing that and that puck is going in transition. And that's what I love. That's where my game is. If I can get back with the puck going the other direction, are you starting to see that more and more where he's a bit of a dog trying to be a dog on the bone in, in terms of trying to get that puck back and try to force plays so he can transition back into offense? Yeah, for sure. I think he's 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 learned that and he's learning that and he, and they're, I'm sure they're, they're you know they're coaching him. You know th- that's the type type of play like you said. If you the quicker you can get back nowadays with the, how good the, every defenseman skates, they gap up, they pressure, they defend forward a lot. If you're not back in the play, supporting the puck coming underneath, basically creating your own gap. You know defensively before you can go offense. It's it's tough to just you know get the puck and skate around guys. But at a young age when you're when you're able to do that and you, and you have success with it, now you have to change your mindset and get get on the plan and get on the system. And I think he's, you know, he's adjusting fine and, and uh, you're seeing more and more of it. And you've got to remember, he's still only an old four. He's a younger player, you know, in his second year of school and he's, uh, he's putting up some points and, and uh, in a good program. So we're happy. Happy to see that he's, you know, scoring some goals because that's something that he builds a lot of confidence on. Like he obviously likes to make plays, but you know, he excels at trying to score goals. That's when he, I think he feels he's at his best. For sure. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of those players that he loves to score. And when he, you know, gets that puck and he likes to get it going towards the net and makes plays, but you know, I mean, everybody, every player likes to, likes to score goals. Some it affects more than others when they don't score, but uh, yeah, we're happy with, with the, with where he's trending and his, his effort and his attitude have been great. So he's, uh, he's doing well. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. We come back. We'll continue to talk about the Tampa Bay lightning prospects with their assistant general manager, Stacy Roost right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. 
Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Stacey Roos, the Assistant General Manager for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to delve into some of the players in the American Hockey League with the Syracuse Crunch. And first off the hop, we should probably talk about Gage Gonclaves. You know, what I like about these situations is just giving your prospects a lot of time, particularly if they come out of the CHL, because, you know, the European players and sometimes the college players will get a little extra time before they have to come in. So they're not coming in as 20 year olds, might be 21, might be 22, might be 23. And the CHL players have to come in at 20. Most of the time, you know, they're coming in at 20 and that's a big jump and thoughts on his progression through that and the patience you guys have showed, because I thought last year, I mean, his rookie season, he was very good. Anytime you're close to half a point a game, I think that's a very good, you know, rookie season last year was 54 points and like 71 games. And then this year is he's off to a point a game again, talk about that progression for him and, the patients, you know, through your staff and your coaching staff and your player development and you and in the American Hockey League, just getting him where he needs to be before you take that next jump into the American Hockey League. Yeah, I think I mean every player, like you said, they come all come to the American Hockey League. For one, it's 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 a it's a it's a great league and it's a it's it's a hard league to really really do well at and, and to, to, to thrive in. And I think sometimes you know players you know underestimate that a little bit and not really sure what to to expect. So the first year you don't, you kind of, you surround them with some, uh, you insulate them with some, some veteran players and you help them through the, the, the first year, which he did a really good job of Gage did a great job at. And the next last year, you know, continue to get better and stronger and, and had more of an impact, you know, more of a role offensively. And now this year he looks really comfortable. He's had the puck a lot. He's, he's uh, found some chemistry with Felix Robert there uh, on our top line. So, um, but just to uh, compete, compete hockey sense, he's gotten quicker and, um, He's gotten gotten stronger, so everything's just kind of coming naturally. He's a little bit of a we drafted him his second time through, so a little bit of a later developer, later bloomer. But uh, you know everything's coming together. We're really happy with the you know his all around game, and obviously he's putting up some points and helping us win games down there. So, so I was going to ask you a little bit more of a development developmental question about this player. I, I know you, your son is coming from the WHL as well, so I, I know you've definitely watched a lot of the dub in recent years. I was going to ask you, do, do you feel that the WHL right now is uh, almost helps accelerate in, in a general sense, the output to be able to um, uh, translate to the AHL quicker because it's such a, a heavier brand of hockey. I, I feel like the WHL is almost like the throwback league right now in a good way uh, from an amateur perspective, you know, you got so many other players from er- other areas, but I feel like the dub really represents part of what the AHL is and essentially the NHL is a result of that. Yeah, that, that might be uh, fair to say compared to the other leagues. I, I, I mean, they're all, 
like the schedule wise with the, with the grind of it and the travel of it and the, you know like like one same thing as the american league you start your season a little bit slow and then as you get into it your your, your season picks up you're playing midweek games you're paying you know, a little bit of a bus trip here and there and, and playing more of a heavier you know heavier you know probably a little bit more physical style game which i mean in the american league it's a physical physical it's fast it's 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 fast it's physical and it's a hard-nosed you know, guys that come from from even from the NHL for a bit, you know, if you're up there for a month to start the season, get sent down. You know, first couple of games, your the first game for sure, you're looking around, going, "Wow, this is this is happening pretty fast." Because guys are, you know, not. I mean, everybody works hard in the NHL, but there it just seems guys are. Uh, it's a little more. Uh, I don't want to say chaotic, but a little more, a little, little heavier, a little harder. And you know, the Western League definitely is a, a good test for that. And then they come to the American League, and and you know, just guys are bigger, stronger, older, faster. But it's still a, still a heavy game. And I'm glad actually you guys brought that up because in college, I look at the NCHA and, and NCAC as that one is where you got, you know the, you know the Minnesota Duluth of the world, and you got some really heavy teams, Colorado colleges, that they're more pro oriented in terms of the way they play. And I think I think that was a good point by Brad is the fact that sometimes that's an advantage of that trying to adapt into the American hockey league. When you've gone through that from, I think from a mental standpoint, more than the physical, it's just that you're not as in awe or overwhelmed by just this constant barrage of physical banging around from that standpoint. Cause I agree with you, Stacey. I think the American league is more physical and a little bit more nastier because I think there's a level of desperation from every player that they want to be moved there. There there's a direction they need to go. And, yeah. you know, sometimes the, you know, the wolf is, you know, far more hungry when he's climbing the hill than the one that's on the hill. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's a good point about that. You know, the, the, the loose and the heavier teams at Colorado colleges, you know, you got to do it more, you know, you're doing it 70 games a year or the NHL, you're doing 82 team games a year. So, no, it's uh, it's definitely that that American League's great hockey. I love I love watching, you know, going around watching our team in Syracuse play. We've, you know, we've got a good good squad there, and I love watching other teams' prospects and catching them and following after watching them in high or in, in college or in junior and and seeing how they're doing and you know projecting what you saw back in in uh, in you know back in junior or school to to what they're doing now in pro and. You know, it takes time for 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 all these players to to get to the the ones that are are are, are top prospects and they're good and and they're and they're a little more mature and they're physically strong enough. You know, and they and they and they have an impact every night. They generally don't you know don't play too long in the American League because they go help your NHL team win um, up top. But you know, it's a it's a great league. I love watching that uh, that level, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's fun to watch. When I ask you about Jack Thompson as a defenseman, particularly, it's not an easy league, the American League. There's no place to hide, uh, no place to run, and particularly if you're young and if you make mistakes, it seems to be, um, you know, gonna end the back the back of your neck. So f- for Jack, I thought he had a really strong season last year as a rookie, and then this year, and he's p- played eight games, but he has six points already, and not not everything's about points, but for a young defenseman to have that level of consistency, even off er- as an early start. That must be something that, you know, is a bright spot for him and for you guys. Yeah, he came in, had a really good uh, uh, prospect tournament and a really strong, strong NHL camp. Played a couple of solid exhibition games. We're really happy with his. Actually, just last week, we named him assistant captain as the second year guy. So that's uh, that's a good, you know, it shows you what the rest of the room and the young guys and even the vets think of him as a, 
you know, his character and as a person, he's an, he's an, he's a really nice young man and, and he's doing great. He's getting stronger. He's, he's competing. He's running our power, one of our power play units. He goes back and forth in the first to the second unit and no, he's doing a good job. His defending has always been, been really strong. He's getting a little more physical, winning more battles. So he's uh, definitely had a really good start and we're, we're very happy to have him in our organization. Stacey, I always liked him in the OHL, but I always found uh, even when he was good, the, the production would never follow, and now it's finally starting to follow. And I was going to ask you, do you feel that part of it is just him maturing as a person and becoming more assertive with his skill set in the offensive zone? Yeah, well, I think this year he's getting more of an opportunity offensively, which helps. And, you know, when you're playing with the top, our top offensive guys on one of those top units, it's it helps. But, you're, yeah, I mean, he's, he's moving the puck uh, up the ice, and he's getting up the ice. He's not forcing it, not looking for offense, but – you know, with the, with the way Joel uh, Bouchard has him playing down there, we like to push the pace and push the tempo, and that fits uh, fits Jack's game not only with his skating ability, but which is just his smarts and thinking. And if you can jump into the holes at the right times, which he's been doing, and and passing to the right people at the right time, it it, it helps. But he's got some confidence. He's playing really well, and he's fit. He's he's strong. He's 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 maturing. So you know, it's all coming together for Jack. You know, other than obviously Isaac Howard, your organization hasn't picked in the frame picked in the first round, like one pick in the last four years. So there's a lot of emphasis, obviously, on player development. And those second and third round picks have to hit. Um, you know, there really isn't, you know, you don't have any leeway in that respect. Is that something that you guys look at and go, okay, do we have to be a little bit more patient with these players? We have such a good core up top that, you know, and then maybe that gives us an extra year, year and a half to two years with these players down here. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't think we really put a timeline on it. I think if you look at, uh, you know, like like Eric Chernak when he came in a couple of years ago, he his second year, he was just big and strong and one of the best players every night off he goes. He, he goes up and replaces and goes in the lineup and he helps John Cooper win up there. Look at Darren Radish, a little bit older player last year, having such a good year. He's helping us win in Syracuse every night. Up he goes, helps, and then he's helping the Lightning win every night. So he's a little bit of an older player. But, yeah, for the – I guess for – in Syracuse, we try and surround everybody with your, all the all the players with a good team and winning winning culture. And then, you know, once we feel that they can, you know, help when we're helping us win in Syracuse, and we can we can help us win some games in Tampa, then they'll they'll get an opportunity up there. But um, you know, I think although we haven't picked in the higher rounds, our scouts have done a really good job identifying players and 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 and, and bringing good players in and. Our scouts have also done a good job, you know, finding some uh, some free agents and, and and bringing them in. So, you know, it's been a been a good mix, and and we're still uh, still very excited about our group. Yeah, the, and Perbix is another example of that, and Boré, who's another example of a nice free agent pickup. You know, getting lots of time in the American League, and then you know being able to get some time in the NHL, and you know, looks like a player. Uh, and that's what I'm. That's why I like watching. You know, the American League, because you never quite know whether uh, a guy's going to hit or not. So, Stacy, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Always appreciate it and look forward to uh, talking to you throughout the season. All right. Thanks for having me. Have, take care, guys. At Stacy Roost, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. 
Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're now going to actually stay in Florida. We're going to talk about the Florida Panthers prospects with their assistant general manager, Gregory Campbell. Gregory, thanks for coming on the show again. Always appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. You notice every time we have you on the show that um, you get a promotion, so we must be good luck or something, because <laughs> we're changing your title every almost every time. That must be it. Do I have to give you guys a percentage here? Oh uh, yeah, beers are good. We'll take beers. We'll take, we'll take All right. beers. And I'll send a message uh, to Bill going, "Hey, you know, the agents want our cut, Bill. So take care of us." So sounds good. Let's uh, get into some of your American League players and. I know he's a rookie, but I like to hear back uh, from you guys early on the American League rookies and, and Mackie uh, Semskevich. Thoughts on him through camp and then playing against the big boys a little bit and then getting into the American Hockey League. Because there's always, like, I know he got a, a cup of coffee last year and got a couple games in, you know, obviously the playoffs and the regular season, but it's this full kind of full run through being a pro. And how much of that last year helped him? And then how did he look coming through camp and getting the opportunities to, you know, go against some NHL players? Yeah, I, I think that that's, um, <clears throat> that's a big thing that's overlooked a lot is when these kids come um, out of junior or college and they get the opportunity to, to get their feet wet at the AHL level. Um, I know some go directly to the NHL, um, get a couple of games, but, 
for me, I think the benefit of actually going um, and where we were last year with Charlotte going to the playoffs and playing some meaningful games, I think that helped, helped him tremendously. Um, you, you know, it's, it's a snapshot of what you're going to deal with the following year and in your, your true rookie year. But I think that, you know, um, seeing what the league's all about, playing some meaningful games, um, being used in, in all important, useful situations, that goes a long way. I think it, they, they know how to prepare themselves throughout the summer. Um, they know what the level of play is. And, you know, quite often it's, it's a step up from what they're used to. Um, and, and again, as I, I, I can't stress enough that they were meaningful games. He played in the playoffs and, and those are games that we needed to win. So he was put in roles that, uh, um, <clears throat> that were, you know, maybe uncomfortable for him a bit, but, you know, he excelled for us last year, I thought, given the situation and it helped him come into camp with the confidence that he needed to make an impression. And I think that's what he did. I've always been a huge fan of Mackey's skill set. I feel like he was one of the true dual threats of the class and, uh, when he was drafted. And one, one thing, though, last year when I was watching him in college, I, I felt he had a tendency sometimes to maybe do a little too much, try to overhandle the puck and use his extended lateral drags uh, a bit too often. I was going to ask you, do you feel that, that that aspect of his game has been weaned out now that he's turned pro? And, and do you feel that he's starting to modify his skill set when he's hit the NHL so that it's, it's more optimized with, so he can take advantage of his, of his playmaking and shooting ability? Yeah, I think there's definitely a transition uh, that goes along with um, with turning pro with these guys. Um, some some guys have to find, um, you know, what made this that them successful at at their college level or junior level, um, and and tailor their game to how it's going to relate to uh, to a pro style game. Obviously, the players are much better, much more experienced. Their sticks are better. Their feet are better. Overall, it's just a better game. Um, with Mackey, I think that um, he's not abnormal in the sense that, you know, there's things that he could do at the at the college level that um, it's going to take him some time to adjust. I think his speed is something, his speed and strength uh, on the puck is something that um, will allow him to do that probably quick, more quickly than others. Um, you know, and as you uh, as you touched on, uh, his shot is an asset. Um, now it's about... Uh, you know, how many guys do you, do you see that have these shots that can score at the amateur level and they just can't find the separation or the space to get their shot off? Um, and it's an art, too. It's an art with timing and, and finding those holes. Um, uh, so he, he's done a really good job so far. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that needs to be engaged. He needs to get in on pucks um, and, and uh, not just wait for the puck, but he actually needs to go in and get the puck himself. Um, but so far, I mean, he had an impressive camp, which obviously earned him a few games already in the NHL. Um, but we want to be smart with him and, and, and realize that he's got a lot to offer to our organization, but it's about doing it the proper way. Let's talk about Justin Sordoff. He was a player that both Brad and I tracked a lot in his draft year, and we really liked that draft pick for you. And I think some cases – Players like that just get over-scouted to the point where you're sort of starting nitpicking at the end of the year, and I think it was unfair for him. And I like the fact that, you know, I think he accumulated about 250 games before he turned pro, which I think was just a tremendous advantage for him overall. Thoughts on, you know, his game last year in the American Hockey League and then, you know, what he's done so far this year? Because I thought as a rookie, if you get half a point a game as a rookie in the American League, 
that, that's a good year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, just to quickly go back and touch on Mackie and, and kind of segue it into uh, to Justin, um, you know, one of the reasons why we want our guys to, you know, if they're ready, they're ready, they're going to play. And obviously our coaching staff from Florida is awesome. Uh, they're experienced. They're ready to, they're ready to win. Um, you know, but if we have, if there's any opportunity for, for us to get our guys down to Charlotte and get, and, and allow our coaching staff down there to get our, get their touches on, on these type of players, case in point, Justin, um, you know, it, it's the, the the growth that they experience over a course of an AHL season is, is is unbelievable, and I think that's exactly what happened with Justin. You know, he came in as a pretty highly touted uh, junior player, did what he could do at that level, um, and then it was about really um, uh, making him him into a complete player. He's got some a lot of offensive ability actually, but I think it's it's the his play away from the puck. Um, it's the way that he competes on and off the puck, how strong he is on his skates and, and to find that, uh, that area that he can contribute to eventually, uh, an NHL lineup. And that's what Jordy Kinnear and the coaching staff down there did for him last year. Um, you know, he's battled injuries here and there, and that's what that, that's going to happen when you, when you play hard, like Justin does. But, um, I think that's the reason why he, he came out of, uh, last year and into training camp with an, with a legitimate shot to make the team um, because of the steps that he took last year with Charlotte. I, I watched, uh, I got an opportunity to watch him a little bit there when he got his call up. I, I felt like what you, what you touched on, I, I, I recognized he has a couple of fantastic shot blocks. I thought he really played a, a, a good two way game. Um, in terms of his offense, do you, do you feel he's still a little untapped? I feel like he has such a dynamic skill set, but then it hasn't yet translated uh, I mean, he, he did have a very good season uh, production-wise in his, his rookie year in the A. Um, but I felt like he, with the exception maybe when he was on Edmonton, that stacked Edmonton team in the dub, uh, that we haven't seen it, seen it all come out. He has such a good shot, but I feel like he's maybe too um, too much of a, a, one of those kids who who wants to help set up his teammate instead of recognize when it's time for him to shoot. Do you feel that there's a balancing act that needs to some adjustment in terms of his growth rate long-term so he can really optimize that offense? I do. I do. I think he has the creativity and the vision to, to make plays. Um, I think he could be a little bit more selfish at times. I think he could, he could, you know, carry the puck himself or, or create plays around the net. Um, you look at guys and, and a guy that briefly comes to mind and, and they're not exactly the same, but a Philip Deneau type player who's got uh, tremendous offensive skill, but I think he, he kind of put himself on the, on the map because of his responsibility, his two-way game. And now you can see that his offensive game is flourishing. I think that's a little bit um, how Justin might evolve. Now, uh, our, co our coaching staff uh, in Charlotte used him at center last year, and, and uh, Paul Maurice and, and the guys up there you know, thought that he would probably – have a better chance on our team initially playing wing. So that, that remains to be seen where he's going to find, uh, you know, his sweet spot. Um, but having a versatile player like that, that can play either position is never a bad thing. Um, but I agree. I think, um, um, you know, the, the positive to that though, is that a lot of young guys, they have to learn a defensive game. They have to learn, uh, responsibility and, 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 and having a coaching staff be able to rely and, and, uh, and trust them essentially to put them on the ice. They're young players. And I think if, 
if he can learn that, I think that that's, uh, that's going to allow his, his offensive game to flourish uh, eventually. And he might not be a high end offensive guy, offensive output, but, but uh, to have a responsible guy in your, in your middle six is, is never a bad thing. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned. More talk about the Florida Panthers prospects right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're continuing to talk about the Florida Panthers prospects with their assistant general manager, Greg Campbell. So let's talk about Evan Naus. I want to get your thoughts on him in Charlotte. Pretty good-sized defenseman, 20 years old, getting his first chance of playing in the American Hockey League, coming out of the queue with the Quebec Ramparts. I know he's only played four games, but thoughts on him, you know, coming into camp and, you know, just going through the process of, like, sometimes when I talk to these young defensemen, particularly the defensemen, I'm like, hey, so how was the first 10, 15 games? They're like, they're like, oh, my God, right? It's just got a bit of a shock to the system of how big and fast and skilled the players they're having to defend. Yeah, and I think that's the case with Evan. You know, kudos to him for having a tremendous year last year, winning the Memorial Cup, which 
which for, you know, that that's an amazing feat. We, we were all proud of him to be able to do that. It's a great experience to, to be able to play in that, that tournament, to go that far with your junior team. And that that's an experience that will carry on in uh, within his career. I think Evan is, you know, he's a transitional defenseman. He moves well. He's slight at the moment, but he'll definitely fill, fill into his frame. And I think it's, you know, it's when I look at, kind of how things operate starting in an NHL training camp and you're, you, you know, you start with your rookie tournament, typically all teams do, and then you, you transition into your main camp and, you know, there's a lot of guys and whatever, and the cuts are made and, and, and guys find themselves where they should be at the AHL level. But I don't think, I think what's kind of overlooked is, is the, the competition that happens at the AHL level. And I think that's, that's the case for Evan. He's a, he's a high pick and he's a, he's a, player that's pretty valuable to us within our organization given the fact that we have to develop players now and 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 rely on our draft picks but you know the the competition starts once again when you get to the HL level and in our case you know we had nine ten defensemen down there starting and starting our our AHL training camp so it's a process and we understand that as a as a staff from an organizational level that you know there's there's competition from within I think that's a good thing but Sometimes players don't understand that. They, they feel like there's a place for them already at the AHL level, and that's not necessarily the case initially. Now, you know, when, when the season goes on, there's injuries, they're going to find themselves in the lineup. So we're, we're, we're trying to take the proper approach with Evan in terms of, you know, making sure that he's, he's with our coaching staff, he's learning every day, he's going to get in games. He has most recently. He hasn't played all the games, but – as like you know, sometimes in most cases it takes defensemen a little bit longer to to develop and <clears throat> and find their game. So our our coach Jordy Kinnear, he's a, he's a former defenseman. So you know, if there's anyone that's going to develop a guy like Evan, it's going to be Jordy. So that's kind of the approach that we have with Evan. He's been very receptive right from the moment we sent him down to our exit meeting. There's lots of his game to be worked on however there's lots of potential there so he's had a great attitude about it uh, he's worked hard and uh, we understand the process of development uh, in terms of sometimes it, it's not always quick you know these these things take time and and there's lots of learning to be to be had but um, he's a guy that we definitely want to invest in when you look at his long-term projection I, I haven't seen him a ton since his draft year I remember the one thing that the staff I'm a part of myself identified was that like seemed like a first round talent, right? Um, but the consistency rates were all over the map with that. There, there was a juggle. How do you feel in terms of his consistency, his game to game ability to bring out and draw from his skill set? Do you feel that he's starting to really hit that, hit his stride and hit the direction you're looking for so he, he can be reliable in your top four? Yeah, I think there's a common theme in a lot of these young players. And some guys just have it. They have that natural confidence. They have, you know, you, you don't have to, to talk to them. You don't have to, to pump them up. But in most cases, you, it's a process with these guys. You, you, you know, I think the consistency part of it is, is you know, more often than not with, uh, with young players. And I think that that draws back to, confidence I think that these these guys are certain players at certain levels um, as they come up through junior hockey through minor hockey and they have to find their place and I think that it's really really important specifically for defensemen to make sure that they, they know that and to, to foster that and 
confidence is a huge thing. Anybody you talk to probably probably touches on it in players game as an, as an athlete, you have to have confidence and confidence comes from a few things. It comes from obviously playing well. It, it, it comes from direction and knowing, you know, what's expected of you, uh, your strengths and, and how to, to play within those strengths, but also how to evolve as a player and, and find a way to contribute at the pro level. So I think that's the biggest, the biggest hurdle with, with Evan is just is is making sure that he knows what's expected of him, uh, making sure that he knows that that small steps are big steps, and and that if he's if he's in the lineup and he's not playing that much, but he has a, you know a strong start to the game and 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 uh, he's put in situations that he can handle, you know that's a positive for him. So like that that's all what development's about is that is making sure that these guys know where we're being critical of them in a constructive way, but also realizing that, like I said, the small steps, the, the small positive steps that they take are, are very good for them, instrumental in their, in their development to becoming pros. We've got a couple minutes left before we have to head off to break. Just some quick thoughts on Mike Benning's transition into the program after coming out of college. Yeah. So, so Michael, uh, you know, he pretty much did everything he could, uh, at the college level, um, you know, and, and same, same as Evan Nouse, um, Michael has won a championship at the college level. Uh, anytime you can get a winner out of, of an amateur or a junior or college program or whatever, that's, that's essential. I mean, that, you know what it takes, um, you know, uh, Winning is is key to developing players, in my opinion. If you have, if you ever have that experience of winning at any level, I mean, that's something that that, that you'll carry with you forever. I mean, they've they've obviously done something right and and been with within a program that that um, that enables that. So um, he was able to to win a national championship, um, and he was a big part of that team. Um, he is a player that has all the skill, all the talent in the world. Um, you know, the, the situation that unfolded last year when he came out of college was that he was put, you know, into into Florida's lineup, essentially, um, but not really, given the fact where we were as a team, uh, the push to make the playoffs. You know, sometimes these players that come out of out of these programs, uh, either they're, you know, they're put into a situation where the team is far out of the playoffs and uh, they, they're allowed to, to play a number of games. Um, or the team sitting comfortably in a playoff position and they, and, and they can play games as well. Obviously we weren't in that situation last year. So unfortunately for Michael, he didn't get, uh, get, didn't get that opportunity. Um, it would have been probably beneficial for him to go and play, uh, you know, down in, in, in meaningful, important games in Charlotte. That was not the case. Uh, regardless, he got to be around, um, a team that was fighting for the playoffs, a team that made the playoffs, and a team that went on a run. So that that experience is invaluable as well. And I know he he took that all in, and um, right. he had a little bit of a slower start coming into to rookie tournament, probably because it had been some time um, before he uh, or since he's played a game. Having said that, uh, he's made tremendous strides in the first uh, first little bit of our season here, um, and. You know, he's got – He's. You know, I think he's played nine games. He's got three goals. He's an integral part of our power play, which he's always going to be. That's that's an area of his game that he that he thrives on. But, again, 
I keep touching on our coaching staff down there. Uh, they've, they've been uh, in his ear about the importance of, of learning how to defend, um, being valuable away from the puck and being valuable when you're not on, in an offensive situation. So he's grown a lot in, in the last uh, six weeks or so um, to the point where he's, he's playing excellent hockey right now. And he's, you know, he's making strides just as we anticipate him to. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show. Really appreciate the insight and good luck throughout the season and look forward to speaking to you down the road. Thanks, guys. Always great coming on. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and study to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Speaking with Patrick Williams, AHL correspondent for the NHL and the American Hockey League, talking about some rookies in the AHL. And Patrick, right off the hop, let's talk about Shane Wright. Uh, because there's a couple of players we're going to talk about that are in similar circumstances, 19 years of age, and stuck in that almost no man's land of, you know, not quite good enough for the NHL, but way too good for the Canadian Hockey League. And I'm hoping that there's going to be a resolution to this at some point. 
to just like so these kids don't have to deal with this uh because obviously what you know Shane Wright had to go through last year so and I'm obviously he's going to get called up because that rule's still in, in effect and I think it's a nonsense rule and they got to have to figure this out some way because I don't think it's very good for the development of these young players and Shane Wright has no business being in the in the Canadian Hockey League anyway he's just too good last year he was like almost two you know he was almost averaging like two points a game. So what's he going to do this year? So hopefully, you know, they'll figure that out. And right now, and look, he looks really great. He looks really good in the seven games that I've seen him in. He's got six points. So, yeah, you know, this is, he could be a point of game player almost in the American league. And by the end of the year, if he did stay the entire year, he would be probably close to a point of game player. Yeah, no, I like, I like the fact, you know, seeing right, you know, he doesn't even, it feels like he's been around for a while, but he doesn't even turn 20 until this January. And now, um, you know, so last year was so, so sort of uh, chaotic for him, right? Like Seattle to Coachella on a, on a conditioning stint to World Junior as captain, no less, um, then uh, over to the OHL and then back to Coachella. Uh, for, for the, the playoffs, end of the regular season and playoffs, which ended up going five rounds and, you know, two plus months uh, all the way to game seven of the final. So in a way, there was at least a little bit of a uh, silver lining at the end of his season there, getting that extended run. Um, now, you know, he had his ups and downs in the playoffs. It was by no means like, I, and I think that's the other thing. People think, well, you know, he's just going to come to the NHL and dominate. Well, no, not really. It's it's pro hockey, especially in the playoffs. You know, he, I think he he held his own. He, yeah, for a nineteen-year-old, he, he held his own. He didn't yeah. look bad, but you know, he's nine he points in twenty-four games know, for nineteen. He wasn't he dominant. Him. I saw, I saw. You know, you know, it was like sort of the never-ending playoff run, right? Like five rounds. I think uh, 20, 28 games. I mean, um, you know, so there was plenty of opportunity to see Shane right. Um, and, you know, like there were certainly times where you saw, you know, points of that, you know, where, you know, you could see why, you know, he's a fourth overall pick and you saw the, you know, the skill come out. But, you know, it was also, you know, uh, the closest thing you're going to get to the NHL outside of the NHL. And, you know, at times he looked every bit, you know, a 19 year old trying to find his way in the pro game in the playoffs. So um, this year, now he's in Coachella. He's getting to work with Dan Bilesma every day. Um, certainly, you know, numbers wise, it's good. Uh, I don't think that's the concern as much. Uh, and concern's probably not the right word, but just, um, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the main focus. The main focus is rounding out the two way game, all the things we talk about, right? All the time with players. Um, you know, for him, I think is that's going to be the main goal there. Well, I mean, I think both him and Matt Savoy are in a similar situation. The fact that you now yeah. they're both 19 and they're, they're the CHL NHL rule is in effect. And I think both of these organizations are going to extend both these players as long as they can for the next, really the next three weeks until the Canadian world junior camp comes and then they can send them to the world junior camps. So yeah. they go to the King Canada World Junior Camps, and they they're there for the month, and then you know the first week of January that's done in Sweden, and then you got to figure out what you're going to do with them after that point. And do they both stay in the respective NHL teams? Does Shane Wright go to Seattle? Does Matt Savoy stay in Buffalo, or do they end up going back to the CHL again? 
and you know Shane Wright does this whole you know bounce no, between I mean, teams I, know, again. I know Shane Wright. I think he will be the NHL all year, but uh, you know with Savoy for example, right? So Savoy just finished up his conditioning stint uh, with Rochester, and you know it was it was an incredible experience for him. I mean, uh, you know uh, Seth Appert, the head coach there, had him on the line. Uh, different points with two other first rounders, Yuri Kulich and uh, uh, Isak Rosin. I mean, like a great opportunity and really, really cool. Like if you're a Buffalo fan, sort of to see the, the future of your franchise skating there in Rochester on one line, all first round picks. Uh, Savoy, or I should say Kulich and Rosin obviously had really good years last year uh, in Rochester uh, at young ages, um, under uh, 20 and and so, you know, now you bring in Savoy, who he got, you know, a little bit of just a cup of coffee last year with Rochester in the playoffs, um, you know, uh, coming right, you know, in the Eastern uh, Conference final. But, um, yeah, he looked great, you know, almost a point per game. Uh, and that's – that's the production's great. Like, I, I like that for a player just to, you know, keep their – you know, their confidence in a good place. You certainly don't want a player coming up. Um and put up a bunch of zeros, right? Like, you know, so I think the points are maybe important more for the players' confidence than anything. Uh, but, you know, just in, in terms of getting to work with the Rochester staff every day, uh, getting to, to play pro competition, even for two weeks, um, I think it's great. And the unfortunate thing for Savoy, for Buffalo, and, and for Rochester is that now it comes to an end. Uh, he's back up with Buffalo, and now we'll see where this this whole thing goes. They're going to spread it. They'll spread it out till the Hockey yeah. Canada camp because Matt Savoy turns 20 January 1st. Yep. And Shane Wright turns 20 on January 5th. So by the time the World Juniors, if they send them both to World Juniors, which they certainly could, and have them both play there for Team Canada, by the time they come back, now they're 20. And none of this stuff is like an issue anymore because they're 20. So they just, they really just have to bleed out, you know, three weeks, not even that. Cause we're at the, you know, as this, this airs, you know, we're looking at, yeah, about three weeks before camp starts in that range. So just spread it out for another three weeks. And then they're into hockey Canada camp. They do the world juniors come back. They're both 20 years old. They can go play in the American league. You know, from that standpoint, I mean, I think I mean what, or the NHL, or either way, like it just you, we well, got to find a way to figure this this situation out from that standpoint. I should ask you before we take off as well. Uh, let's talk about Chase Stillman. Yeah, so, thankfully he is twenty, so we don't have the problem with that. But it's his first year in the American League with U- uh, Utica. Uh, you know, and he had a pretty good year. Like he just didn't maybe put up the points that probably he may want ha- wanted to, but. He, he may end up being a better pro player than he was a junior player, just on his style of play. And through eight games so far, he's got five points. And mm-hmm. for a rookie, that's good production early on, and that's going to give him some confidence. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, right? So, like, so, for example, with Shane Wright, like, he got that exemption this year, you know, by all reports yeah. um, to play in the AHL, you know, despite not being, you know, hitting that 20-year old mark yet but uh you know savoy obviously there was talk where you know buffalo won that but they they didn't get it you know now you looked at stillman who's a 20 year old coming in and um you know more traditional path here right like you know uh you know getting to come in you know he's 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 kind of done his thing at junior put that behind him and i like that for him um that 
Um, you know, and, and for any player in that situation, that now you just have a nice, stable um, plan. You know, you're going to probably be in one place all year um, in terms of, you know, maybe hey, if, if Chase Stillman at some point lights things up and, you know, New Jersey needs, you know, an option. Yeah, I think he could be uh, a possibility for a call up at some point. But, you know, I just like a player kind of knowing where they're going to be for the year, you know, yeah, give or take a, a, you know, a call up here or there. You know, like, and that's the thing, you know, that I think is tough with, with you know, the 18, 19-year-olds where you get them into this situation where it's like, okay, we're going to put you here, we're going to put you there. And that's just where, you know, just it, it's, it's a challenge. Like, developing players is tough enough without adding another element to it. Yeah, 100%. And this is why I'm, I'm obviously we're glad that, you know, the exception was made in Wright's case, but, you know, this loop has to get fixed at, at some point in – and it has to be what's best for the player in terms of their, their development. And sometimes kids are just too far advanced from the CHL as 19-year-olds. So that sometimes happens. And we've talked about that on the show for 18 years. So, but Pat, uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And look forward to speaking to you next week. Great. Thank you. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies 
to the next level at juniorprospecthockeyleague.com. We're now speaking with Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider. Read his Substack. It's a, a must-read every week for anybody who wants to know what's going on in college hockey. Th- we are continuing to talk about drafted NHL prospects in college hockey. And, you know, I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this player, but I wanted to make sure that he had played enough games based on the injuries he had last year, and that's Frank Nazar who's at Michigan, a Chicago Blackhawks first-round pick. And I felt bad for the kid last year because he only got in 13 games. And that's tough sledding when you're trying to move your way up into potentially a Chicago Blackhawks lineup and you miss games. But thankfully for him, in the first 10 games, he's a a point-of-game player. And as much as uh, he is skilled and potentially dynamic, even if he continues, Mike, I think, at – you know, plays say he plays forty games this year, and he's a forty, and he's a point of game player getting forty points. I still think he has to go back for another year because of all that time he missed, just to ensure that he's ready to make that jump into you know potentially the American Hockey League and the NHL. Because well, the NHL is not a developmental league, and the AHL is sort of a developmental league. And if you're not ready for that, it can chew you up. It can. Yeah. And I think you're right where he's missed some time. It, it probably is the best for him to, to stick around with that junior year and get even more experience in the college game, get a little bit bigger, get a little bit stronger. Uh, but it is encouraging that he's hit the ground running this year because, 100%. you know, and it's especially coming back from injury. Guys can lose confidence, which is such a big thing, especially with guys this age. Um, but he's playing, he's playing really confident right now. And I think the biggest thing is there was opportunity, right? Like, they were Michigan returned a bunch of guys like McGrody and Brindley and, and Hughes. They returned a bunch of guys, but uh, with some of the guys that they lost, they definitely had some opportunity there for him to jump in and play a top six role right away. And he really has embraced it and hit the ground running. I mean, I think he's second on their team in shots on goal. Like you said, a point per game player getting better with the play off the puck uh, from what I've seen in Michigan this year. The reason why that, that extra year staying through that junior year might be really important is just to get even stronger, you know, physically stronger to win more battles on the walls and win kind of those one-on-one body battles when guys really start to lean on them. Uh, but I, I think so far, so good, especially considering the injury that he's coming back from. Certainly. And look, I like his versatility because, of course, he can play in the middle and play on the wall. I think in the NHL, he's going to be better on the wall as a right winger um, because he has that tendency to want to shoot the puck. He likes to score goals. And I think he might be better there. And if you look at, you know, Chicago's lineup, I think he's going to probably get pushed to the wall and it's just de- less defensive responsibilities. But if there's injuries, you can slide him over. So I think for, you know, for that standpoint, that's another reason why I like to see him play another year is if you're going to play, play some time in the middle at the NHL level at some point, I think there's, I think that just lends itself. If he didn't miss games. That might be, that's a different conversation, but he did miss a lot of games. Let's also talk about Jimmy Snuggerud. Um, One greatest name in hockey, but two, <laughs> Such a character player for Minnesota. And it's going to be a character player when he moves up into for the St. Louis Blues. Like when he was drafted, it's like, oh, that's a prototypical St. Louis Blues player. He just he fits the mold of that team and what what they're all about, especially when they play in the playoffs. And for me, it was just I want to see him continue that transition of the great year he had last year. And can he do it again? And I like the fact he came back. Because, you know, like if you looked at, you know, similar players, they get 50 points in 40 games while well, they're leaving. 
And yep. <laughs> he came right back and said, no, 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 we're going to try to win a national championship. And I just got to get better at my overall game and then come into the pro as a 20 year old instead of a 19 year old. And, and be more ready to make an impact. Maybe be more ready to make an NHL roster right away. We'll see. Yeah. But it's going to help him. You know, it's not going to hurt him. Uh, I like him a lot. I really, I just like the way that he plays. Uh, you know, he, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the smallest guy, but just plays like a bulldog, like just kind of head yeah. down straight, straightforward game gets to the net, uh, scores really skilled goals, scores really greasy goals, knows that they count both for the same. Plays a playoff style. He's a playoff style player, right? You know, and he's going to gain gain more, like, man strength. And he's at 6'2". So if you get him at about that 210 mark, well, then he's going to be a bit of a bull in a china shop when it comes into the playoffs. And that's really what I thought the St. Louis Blues were looking at. It's like when this kid's 22 years of age, he's going to be a bit of a handful. And, you know, he's going to start to round out his game when he hits 23. And I really like that pick for St. Louis. Like, when you get in past 22, that's where things start to, like, drop off in terms of probability of success rate. And I think Jimmy, like, just fits the mold for that team perfectly. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of, too? A little bit smaller uh, because he's he's a little bit shorter. I think he could be the same, you know, build-wise, but a little bit shorter. It reminds me a lot of James Van Riemsdyk when he was at UNH, just the way that he plays. Just really straightforward. Again, gets to the net, can get pucks to the net, gets his body to the net. You know, that that's really. Yeah, that's no, really actually, the, you know, that's you know. the biggest one is he's not, he has a big body and he's willing to use it and he drives yeah. the net and he's greasy and that's the way you got to play in the playoffs. Otherwise, you know, you're a big passive body and that just doesn't translate. And just, no. so if you look at the St. Louis Blues and how they draft, it's not. It wasn't a shock to me at all that they took Snuggerud. I mean, as much as some, a lot of people want him to go to Buffalo because of his dad, but you know, you look at this from the blue standpoint. I think it's it's a great fit. And then first, just for Snuggerud to come back and play another year, and we'll see what Minnesota does. Like they, they have a good team, and they can make a run, and they could go to like the Frozen Four. So. You know, when he's got six goals in eight games, <laughs> that's a great start. So I'm really intrigued to see what he does. Also, uh, we should also talk about a player we haven't had a chance to chat about at all. In Cameron Lund, uh, San Jose Sharks draft pick, Northeastern University player. And he was a guy, he had a you know good freshman year. And then this year, the sophomore year, I know it's only been five games, but he's got seven points. And that's another big body. 6'2", he's almost 200 pounds, right-handed shot, play center, can play on the wall. Not sure what he's going to, how he's, where he's going to play as a pro. He might go to the wall, but so far, like, that's an excellent start. I mean, because Northeastern had graduated a bunch of guys, and, you know, it was his opportunity to step up and take a, a much bigger role this year. Yeah, you, you kind of knew it was coming. Like you said, with the guys that they lost last year, uh, McDonough being the big one up front, yeah. right? It, w- it was going to be that there was time for him to shine a little bit. And there were guys, there were coaches last year who were not shy in saying, look, I think this guy's one of the best players in our league as a freshman. And I, I almost feel like in Hockey East, he's one that gets lost a little bit because right now there's, in the there's league, a lot of big games. There's a lot of huge, yeah, whether it's Celebrini or Will Smith or all the BC guys or, uh, you know, Nadeau at Maine's playing really well. Wood at UConn's a first round pick. They've got so many of these guys that it's easy to overlook a guy like 
like Lund, but he's had a really good impact at the start of the year. I thought he played really good as a freshman last year too. And, and it wasn't the easiest role for him to kind of be in, in a little bit of a secondary role behind a guy like Man- McDonough and some of their older players. Now he's thrust into that. Hey, you're going to be the guy we lean on. You know, you're going to, it is, it's not his team entirely, but a big part of this team is his team as far as the offensive play driving goes. And he's responded well. He's been up to the challenge so far. Well, I think one of the things that's certainly going to help him is if he has a really strong year, much bigger role, you know, if he ends up around a point a game as a player and then he comes into that junior year and now he has to be the man, like the focal point of the off, a lot of the offense, because more guys are going to graduate is it's going to go to him and then see how he handles that pressure in that situation. Cause it, you know, Northeastern plays really good teams and they've had a pretty successful run as of late, you know, they recruited really well. So I'm curious to see how he handles that. And he's another guy who I'm not sure what ends up happening to where he plays center wing at the pro level. Like at college hockey, you can get away with playing in the middle of the ice that you may not be able to play at that at pro. So sure. that that's curious to me as well. And thoughts on, you know, you know, him jumping from center to the wall and back and forth. I actually like him better on the wing. From from the games that I've seen, I just think it opens them up a little bit more offensively, uh, as it would for most guys. You know, some guys can can get up and down the sheet, and he can. But to me, I just think he gets so many more pucks on net when he's playing the wing. Yeah, no, and I agree with that from that standpoint. And because he's such a big body, and what a coach is like in the NHL, they want a big body on the wing, go up mm-hmm. and down the wing and score some goals and bang some bodies a little bit and play more physical. So I think that's really important as well. Uh, once again, thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight and stay tuned. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. 
Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking now with Pat Malloy in our player development segment. Pat, thanks for coming on the show again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, the topic this week is passing foundations, off-the-puck data collection and execution. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with those terms, I could give a little explanation and background of what that means in terms of you know, from an evaluation and a player development standpoint. Yeah, I mean, from a foundational standpoint, one of the things when developing a prospect, you know, analyzing a prospect's performance and then, you know, building a development plan in order to help them reach the next level, you know, foundational skills in terms of their ability to pass the puck come into play. So, you know, hand skills, puck skills, passing skills, a lot of them are are interrelated, but the big thing that, that I'll look at is you know, passing foundation. How are they at having an adaptable skill set in terms of hand placement, top hand placement, ability to move pucks through and around people? You know, clear pass options are, are great. What we find, you know, the higher that you need to to play in the lineup, the higher leagues that you'll play in. If you're trying to get to the National Hockey League, you better be able to pass around and through people. And so those things can't be done with poor foundational skills, hands away from your body no deception in your movement, no ability to change angle via reach or, or, or those sorts of things. So passing through and around people from a foundational standpoint would be certainly one of the things that we want to key on and focus when we're building that development plan. Uh, Pat, there's a, a player in the name Jakub Urbanik. He's a, he's a Czech player who some scouts think somewhat highly of, but I have a huge issue with his game. And it's that he's a good playmaker, but he lacks the ability to mask his passing options behind his hands, his hands when he's rocking the puck back and forth, when he's basically the, the term I like to use is skill chaining or um, another term for this in the development world would be shouldering. Uh, so using his hands in combination with his passing to mask the placement of the pass. Is that something, uh, th- basically I've seen it in Mason McTavish's game. So is that something that you look at and you say, okay, we need to get the hand speed so they can complement the passing. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that that will will take a lot of of time to break down is, you know, hand placement. If you're if you're carrying a puck and you're in a spot where your hands have bled out from your body, you don't have great top hand activation in terms of being active in the top hand wrist to be able to disguise some of the things you're trying to do while manipulating that's going to show up in performance. The other thing is, is if you're someone that gets the puck away from your body as a, as a, a basis for the way you carry pucks, and then you've got to kind of reload to pass and that takes time. It's, it's often, you know, the play that you see and you're trying to make is gone by the time you've sort of readapted or reoriented your body to be able to make that play. So one of the things that, you know, I'll talk a lot about multiple threat posture. And I know that that we've touched on posture and its varying senses in terms of skating base and skill base and some of those things. 
you know, in our talks week to week here, and it'll be something we continue to touch on, but making sure we've got the ability that, you know, we don't have to reload ourselves in order to pass a puck. We're in a posture, we're in a stance that allows us to deliver a pass as well as be able to shoot or manipulate around someone without having to really change our whole compactness of movement or our, our posture per se. Pat, in, in some previous segments we've talked about hand placement in terms of passing and can you talk a little bit about that in terms of passing foundation how important it is not just the placement of your hands but how you grip your stick and where it is and the ability to move your wrist effectively how does that impact passing foundations as well you know it really it'll boil back to a lot of you know the bottom hand we all know is your power hand our top hand in terms of its activity is really a you can really see it in a in an accomplished puck skill player versus one that's that's struggling for execution. The ability to cup cradle be active in that top hand disguise um, release of whether it's a shot or a pass, and and ultimately you know have angle on your stick blade created from that top top hand wrist to be able to get a puck where you need it to go, whether it's through over or around someone, and then the bottom hand with the power you know, the big thing for me is, is, you know, if you watch someone that seems to struggle with the puck, if you really key on that top hand, you'll start to see whether there's a dead top hand or is it active And you know, a dead top hand, a still top hand probably tells us that they're a little bit more of a shovel based player. They're not really doing a lot to manipulate uh, or, or to create touch for the puck. And then, you know, one of the things I'll see common amongst, you know, great puck handlers is a high top hand elbow again flattened out stick blade creating leverage pucks a little bit closer to you and you can always move it away if you need to but starting from a a position of strength is always something for me that you know especially for simple passes per se where you're just trying to play at the pace of play move a puck distribute it firm and flat you know those things are certainly going to aid in that execution Pat, can you talk about some of the hand skills that relate to uh, not just the forehand passing aspect, but the backhand pass? What, what specifically within the hands and, the, and your arms and your shoulder rotation are you looking for with backhand passes? Again, it's, you know, I'm always a big believer of foundation. And so, you know, again, going back to some of those intrinsic habits of, of higher performing puck handlers, you know, the top hand elbow being high pucks a little closer, again, creating flat blade, but also gives you leverage and strength. And of course, you know, you can always extend your hands as needed, but if your hands are constantly extended and you're, and you're always trying to regain strength by bringing it back closer to your body, you know, it becomes something where you're costing yourself time. Those habits are certainly ones that, that aren't going to pay you back. And so from a backhand perspective, ensuring that we've got field of vision, we're not closed off with our bottom hand shoulder. There's a rotational you know, component to our trunk moving and being able to keep us flat and level in terms of not having a extended stick blade where maybe I'm just passing off my heel. What you'll see is, is the best passers in the world seem to always be the most balanced as well. Now, there's always single leg or dynamic movement involved sometimes when we take, you know, deliberate or incidental contact or we're, we're pushing through coverage. But, but ultimately, you know, one thing, you know, when you think of a good pass or you think of a, a Nick Backstrom, for instance, when's the last time he was off balance as a, a night by night play? You know, he typically finds himself imbalanced and you watch the quality of his passes I really think they're 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 dictated by his ability to have rotational movements and stay balanced within himself. 
um, to distribute pucks to places that he's trying to. Uh, can you explain to me why that there there's not more players in the NHL that are better at making plays off their backhand, particularly passing? Is that something that's just coming through our de- our player development, little kids all the way through junior and and beyond? You know, it, it's it's a great question, and and you know, I've talked about it at the Hockey Canada level in terms of you know talking about development plans from grassroots right up to pro. You know, obviously at the pro level, it becomes a do the things I need to do to survive and, and fulfill the role given to me. And oftentimes it can, you know, that can be the end all be all. When you think about backhand training in young players, for sure, number one, it's it's dry. It's, it's a lot like learning to skate properly. It's a dry, boring topic a lot of times because, you know, the downside to notoriety of the game in terms of seeing all the fancy moves and the toe drags and the different stuff that, that really get interest drawn to our game is that a lot of times the most functional stuff is the stuff that we overlook. So practicing backhand plays and, and movement and rotation and, and learning the proper ways from a postural standpoint to deliver and receive backhand passes is something that's not necessarily as attractive to a young player so it's making sure that a foundation is poured and no skip the steps are skipped you know no different than than making sure someone's built that and poured that foundation from a skating perspective so that you know when you start you know i often i'll say to young players it's kind of like building a house you don't start to frame before you've you've poured the foundation and so for me backhand play is is really something that's a foundational piece because what we'll talk about is, is what you do on the forehand. You've got to be able to do on the backhand. And anybody that I've talked to across the country, and, and we talked about at the Hockey Canada level, one of the sort of missing pieces that we've all identified from coast to coast has been, you know, passing skills as young Canadian players is something that going forward, we've certainly wanted to pay attention to and, and, and place some emphasis on. Uh, but once again, Pat, thanks for coming on our show. We really appreciate the insight. Uh, look forward to speaking to you next week and and stay safe. You as well. Take care. That's Pat Malloy, player development and skills coach. We're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio, and we'll be right back. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospects Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. 
Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach, discussing his book, Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind. And as we go through chapter two, you know, in the, in the last segment, we talked about what you really want. And this one is what do you really believe? And, and Kevin, the interesting thing about that, the word to me has great significance is what you believe. In, in many conversations, if you listen to, especially the English language, uh, people will use the words think, feel, and believe. And they're, all three of those words are radically different in terms of the context and how powerful they are and what they truly mean. So what you believe may not be entirely logical. It may not be rational. Uh, but it's what you believe. And that really, I thought, t- ties into our previous conversation about that whole why. Like, what is your cause? Like, what do you believe? Right? Because if someone, you know, plants a flag and they say, this is what I believe. Well, that flag draws other people to you, um, whether you realize it or not, because you you have similar belief systems but also, and, and people don't go to that flag for that person. They go for themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, in that, you know, in that, you know, the statements and questions, I, you know, I'm asking you is like, how, like, how powerful is that when you, that statement of what you believe and then the response back from the players that, you know, that are your clients from, you know, young kids, you know, to 12, 13, 14, all the way up to the pros. And how much does that change in terms of your belief? Because belief isn't thinking and belief isn't, you know, unnecessarily always feeling, but it is so much more feeling than any, than, than obviously thinking. Absolutely. You know, you, you're spot on with all of that. I think at the end of the day, what we believe sort of colors our world, right? It, it creates our vision of everything that's out there. Um, so, you know, you, when you get into this belief side, you're, you're talking mindset, right? You're talking about, you, you talked about things that being necessarily rational and all that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really not even conscious. You, you're not even sure why you believe what you believe. You, you might be, but for the most part, we're not, but it's automatic. It immediately filters everything that's going on and then you filter it through those beliefs. Um, and so that's obviously you look at that and you say, okay, well, if I'm wearing blue tinged glasses and I put them on and walk around outside, guess what? Everything's blue. Everything's blue. There's nothing I can see that doesn't have some shade of blue to it. And that's a fact. So when I think about belief, I'm thinking about mindset. I'm thinking about some rules that we have about how the world works, how things are going to occur, how things are going to play out. And so it's important to know 
sort of understand what your beliefs are. Again, we're going to get into this in a much deeper level in that in the chapter on perception because we're going to really understand, you know, become more aware of what we think and and how we feel and how those those two things affect how we behave and and that's well that's our life. That's those three things together is our life. But think about something like um uh, you, you might have heard of growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So that's a belief, right? So the idea of a growth mindset is that hard work commitment, you know, dedication to something will allow me to get better. If I keep working at it, I'll get better. Um, fixed mindset, on the other hand, was, is the idea that I was born with a certain level of skill, and I'm going to keep working until I get to that max. And then once I reach that max, well, I'm going to play it out for as long as I want to or can, and then at some point I'll, I'll just get shuffled out, right? That's just that's all I ever got. That was just my dose for that. And, and, and I think we all know, we're, you, you, you know we, we know that hard work will allow us to achieve anything. Um, and so that growth mindset, I think, is, is probably more realistic um, to most of the uh, hockey players out there. But think about what a fixed mindset means as well. You know, if you think I've only got a certain level of skill and, it, you know, at some point when I'm a 16-year-old playing AAA – uh, and now I want to try to to play um, as a you know U seventeen or something like that, but I'm just not very good. And oh my gosh, I'm not getting any ice time. And oh no, then if I've got a fixed mindset, what are you thinking? You're thinking, ah shoot, I guess I've I guess I've reached the end, right? I guess I've just maxed out my skill level. Um, versus the the growth guys saying, no no no, I'm just going to have to double down. I'm going to have to find another coach. I'm going to have to do some you know off ice or whatever it is. So. Yeah, I think that's the beginning of it. And there's so, so much more we could talk about, you know, our, our ability to see difficulty as, as a threat, you know, as a threat to me and, and what I'm trying to accomplish versus as a challenge, something that a, an opportunity that I get to, to take on, right? So different mindsets and, and that would cause different behavior based on those, those beliefs, Kevin, we had Trevor Timmons on earlier, and we were discussing a, a prospect named Yanni Eichinen who suffered uh, multiple major knee injuries. And we're here, here we are talking about uh, belief. I find with a lot of, a lot of athletes, uh, belief is easy to maintain and hold uh, when things are going very well. It's another thing entirely mm-hmm. when you're dealing with multiple knee, uh, reconstructive knee surgeries and you're a young athlete trying to make it, and now you're at a significant disadvantage, and you, you might have to change uh, a, a parts of uh, a parts of what you're doing on the ice with your skating mechanics. Can can you just talk about how uh, the significance of belief in overcoming adversity, so that uh, that a prospect or player uh, can can get back on the ice and and be what they were before their injuries? Yeah, well, and you look at a knee injury, right? What's the most important thing that you need is that belief that when I go hard on that edge, that it's all going to hold, right? From my hip, through my knee, to my skate blade, right? It's all going to hold. And if you're coming back from injury, you're not sure, right? You're just not sure. So that belief has been altered. And so you're going to have to work really hard to get it back. Well, how do you do that? Well, you work it, you work it, you work it, you work it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh no, it's back. I, I can do this. You know, it's no issues at all. But Remember, somebody asked, hey, what is, how much of this game is mental and how much of the game is physical? And I always answer with them, everything starts with the brain, everything, right? So in this situation, their ability to build up the strength and the trust in that, that, that leg and that knee is going to be based on repetition, but they could have repetition all day long. 
if they if they never reach the point where they trust and they believe that that leg's going to hold, well, then they're going to struggle. They're always going to come up. They're going to pull up short. They're not going to give their all. You know, there's a hundred different reasons. And then, you know, go all the way back to the healing part, right? You get injured. Well, you've got a little bit of a, a road to haul, right? So do you believe that you're going to get better and come all the way back? Or do you believe that you're going to be sort of less than when you finally get back on the ice? Again, belief sort of drives everything. Um, and so that's a great, great example of, of how beliefs can affect the trajectory of, of an elite hockey player. Kevin, do you have those conversations with your clients, uh, particularly ones that, you know, if I've gone through injury and you talk about that value of, okay, you know, you're going to have to believe at some point if you want to get where you want, what do you really want? Like those things mm-hmm. are so tied at the hip to each other. It's, it's similar. It's kind of like a, a, a quick circle. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing is, is, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who wants to work with people so that they don't ever have to work with me again. I I literally want to give them all the tools that they need that they don't need me anymore. Right. It sounds crazy, but that's what I want. So when I'm working with somebody who's struggling with beliefs, then what I do is I teach them how to be their own best coach. And that's one of my pillars to working with players is to teach them how to be their own best coach. And what I mean by that is, you know, the way if you're if you're you've got a friend and your friend, you know, your teammate, your lineman has just blown out his knee and he's coming back and you go to see him, you know, at the hospital or you see him at his house a week later and he's down, and he's frustrated and he's saying things. And you, as, as his friend, as his buddy, are, are trying to talk to him in a way to get him up, right, to get him to believe in himself, to know that, you know, you, you've got this, you can come back from this. Don't don't let this take you down. Right. The way that you would talk to your buddy. Well, that's what I want guys to do to themselves. I need them to talk to themselves in a way that is bringing out uh, an ability to, to literally coach themselves, right? So because I can't be with you. I can't be with you on the ice. I can't be with you before an important game. So how, how are you going to be able to sort of deal with this if you can't be your own best coach? And so to answer your question, Shane, I think in situations like that, I don't want to give them all the answers. What I want to do is I want to teach them to be their best coach, and I want them to use their experience and their knowledge, and I'm absolutely going to chip in with all that I can offer. But at the end of the day, it's got to be coming from them to them, and and that's how I have uh, success with the players that I work with. Absolutely. Uh, this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey and Junior Prospect Hockey League and Fractal Hockey Consulting and Outside Edge Player Development. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast network or YouTube and follow us on Twitter at HP Radio and HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to all our guests, and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat. Every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.